The Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents First Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, principal at Top Sales Strategies, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Retan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. Each and every week you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending the woman. Well, speaking of spending, let's talk holiday. It's never too early to talk about the Christmas holiday. And I know Amazon, Target, and Walmart are certainly talking about their plans. In an article by Sarah Mahoney, um, both Target and Walmart have announced their new tactics, including a real focus on digital. No big surprise there. Amazon is also bumping its Prime Day, which you may recall usually happens in the summer. They're moving it to October. So there's quite a few things that are changing. Walmart is adding 20,000 seasonal associates in its e-commerce fulfillment centers, really gearing up to handle your digital orders. It's also going to be flooding the market with COVID-related Christmas items. So imagine loungewear, sleepwear, outdoor grills, bikes, and exercise equipment. Um, it's also going to have 1,300 new toys like puzzles, games, and Legos, and 800 Walmart exclusives are planned as well. Um, Apparently, one in three consumers plan to start holiday shopping before early November, so they really are focused on gear up in October, and Walmart is promising an all-new Black Friday experience. We know that Black Friday typically gets people out and about into the stores. This year, Black Friday is going to be extremely different. Um, Target's also gearing up for a different type of Black Friday. They're doubling up on workers focused on drive-up and order pickup. They're also uh, putting more front of the store team members to disinfect carts and provide masks for those guests that do want to come into the store. And as I mentioned, uh, Amazon is pushing their Prime Day to October, October 13th to 14th uh, specifically. Uh, so how many of us will actually be buying holiday? Well, Morning Consult says that only 12% of respondents in a recent survey expect to shop in-store this Black Friday, while 52% say they won't be in-store at all. 59% uh, say they will spend less than $300 on gifts this year. Um, that's up from 50% last year. And consumers are also predicting fewer purchases around the entertainment sector like food and booze because just we're not entertaining as much in our homes. Um, International Council of Shopping Centers, however, is finding that 53% of respondents say they have no plans to cut back on spending over the next five months. It'll be a very, very interesting holiday season. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Our first profile today is the Prada professional. This is a woman committed to her career but trying to achieve some balance in her life after spending so much energy on her job. This is a woman about 36 years of age, 75% are college grads, same number are married, they're all employed full-time, and uh, two-thirds of them are parents. Uh, they really are focused on uh, their relationships, 
their jobs. They consider themselves to be workaholics. Um, when it comes to purchasing, they say they have a practical outlook on life and they will shop around for expensive items. Even though they are willing to shell out the dough for expensive items, they wanna try to find a deal when they can. They do spend a lot of money on their home and home improvement and home decor. They're looking for environmentally conscious types of products as well. Um, and at retail, um, they're shopping, you know, high-end stores like Neiman Marcus and Nordstrom um, and those types of interior design stores like Pottery Barn, Crate and Barrel, and of course, Target is on their list, like most of us. So how do you connect with the Prada professional? Well, she's reading a ton of magazines and viewing cable and network TV for ideas. So Real Simple is a big one for her in style, Vanity Fair as well. Um, she's watching e-news, uh, Food Network, uh, and Discovery Health Channel. Um, and I'm sure the product professional will be looking for holiday shopping deals as well. My guest today is Caridad Morrow. She's an award-winning author of Visionware, which is published by Finishing Line Press as part of its new Women's Voices series. She's a recipient of the Elizabeth George Foundation grant and a Florida Individual Artist Fellowship in Poetry. Her work has been nominated for multiple prizes and her recent poetry can be found in a myriad of places, including the Mest American Poetry Blog, Rhino, Go Magazine, Fantastic Florida and the Notre Dame Review. I'm very excited to have her on the show today. She's going to be talking about a brand new book out in October called Grabbed, Writers Respond to Sexual Assault, Empowerment, and Healing. It's going to be featured at the upcoming Miami Book Fair this November 15th through the 22nd. And um, I think the stories in Grabbed will resonate, sadly, with far, far too many of us. Um, very important book with a forward by a very, very important person. I'm not going to tell you who. You have to stick around to hear about that and, and hear my interview with Carrie coming up after the break. First Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Welcome back to Purse Strings. My guest today is Caridad Morrow. Carrie is an award-winning author of Visionware. Uh, Morrow is also the recipient of an Elizabeth George Foundation grant for and a 
and a Florida Individual Artist Fellowship in Poetry. Her work has been nominated for two Pushcart Prizes, the Best of the Net, and a Lambda Literary Award. Um, you may also want to know that she is a career educator who works as a dual enrollment professor of English for Florida International University and a Miami-Dade County public school system. In addition, she is an English professor at Miami-Dade College. Her recent poetry can be found multiple places, including the Best American Poetry blog, Rhino, Go Magazine, Fantastical Florida, and Notre Dame Review. And she's here today to talk about her work as a contributing editor for Grabbed. Writers Respond to Sexual Assault, Empowerment, and Healing, which will be featured at the Miami Book Fair coming up this November 15th through the 22nd. I'm thrilled to have Carrie on. Welcome, Carrie, to the show. Well, thank you so much, Maria, for having me. Well, it's I'm, I'm excited to have you, although I have to say that the subject matter is um, not a light and frivolous one. Um, it's pretty pretty heavy stuff, um, but really important work. So congratulations on the book. It's just now, what, coming out in October. So I have to imagine that the Miami Book Fair is your first official fair. It is our first official fair, and it's being launched October 6th. So yes, we're very excited. Yeah, and it wow. is heavy, but sometimes you have to be heavy in order to lighten up. You know, you do, don't you? I think, I mean, you have to be brave enough to take on the tough topics, and this definitely is one. Uh, I can't say that I've ever seen this approach with this topic, this anthology of poetry and prose. Um, so I think it's a pretty darn compelling way to address this. Um, what led you and the other editors to focus on assault as a theme? Well, you know, um, it, it kind of revolves around the Miami Book Fair, interestingly enough. Um, it was right after the 2016 election, uh, literally a week after, and you had a bunch of dejected, um, worried poets and writers gathering at the book fair. And we were sitting around and I just couldn't get that word grabbed out of my head. So we decided to kind of tackle, unpack what the word meant, not just in terms of physically being grabbed, but how one can be grabbed emotionally, um, mentally, and almost how that sort of menacing grabbing is just as paralyzing and harmful as the physical manifestation of such. And we decided that if the grabber was getting such a um, large audience and so much attention, we thought that it was high time that the grabbed also had their say. It's interesting that the Miami Book Fair was kind of the the zeitgeist, if you will, around this and the fact that we were fresh off an election. And here we are moving into another election. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like we've 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 made any progress between elections here? You know, I'd love to say that I think that we have, but I think it's pretty clear that we haven't. And that's kind of the triumph and the tragedy of this book is that it is ongoing. And I don't, I don't think anytime soon will these um, themes be passe, if you will. It's not much has changed other than, um, you know, we did have the Me Too movement. And I think we are, um, as a collective, much more vocal about these sorts of happenings not being okay. And I think we're a little braver. Um, 
and I think we're a little hardened after a pretty tough four years. Um, but yeah, I think it's actually a perfect bookend to the fact that it began and ended and it's been a four year journey. And now here we are where we started. Um, and hopefully it'll be a much more triumphant ending. Right. Well, and maybe your book will help, um, kind of break through, right? Even though it's been a long four years. I mean, um, Assault's been around for, sadly, way too long. Um, to your point, there is a new awareness, I think, of assault um, in its various forms. And of course, it's long-term impact. You mentioned the Me Too movement. But, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about racial justice as well, uh, which has come alongside, I think, this movement. Um, and um, I feel like knowing that this political overlay is kind of what drove you to even approach the development of this book. I have to imagine that the book is, is kind of meeting the moment, right? And meeting people where they are um, on the other side of the Me Too movement in the midst of racial justice, um, at, the, at the precipice of a presidential election. It seems like all these things are converging and, and your book's at the center of it. Um, absolutely. Um, I think that was part of the focus when we were putting together the anthology, the, um, my fellow editors and I were very um, intent on providing um, many voices, disparate voices, uh, multicultural, uh, multigender, uh, non, non-binary voices. We wanted voices that aren't represented and that, that it, there is a lot of crossover. As a teacher, I see like a Venn diagram, right? So you have the Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter. Um, they, they do intersect. And you'll find that in our book, for example, we have the, the wonderful and mighty writer Sapphire, um, whose piece is quite political and speaks to both gender and um, issues of race and issues of non-equity, issues of not being represented. So absolutely, to your point, it is of the moment and it is intersectional with regard to the themes that it's covering and the lenses through which those themes are being represented. You mentioned Sapphire. I want to do, I want to get into how you chose the writers and the poets that you invited to participate. Were you looking for that diversity to have multiple voices represented? Like talk to me a little bit about that vetting process. We were absolutely um, keen on having diversity in our, in our writership, in our authors. Um, the, the four the four editors were all friends, and we met at FIU many many years ago. Um, we are also have been uh, colleagues and friends in each other's audiences through many book fairs, many readings. So it started as this honest conversation of you know who we'd love to see our dream our dream contributors, and and we just started making a list. And we started soliciting writers. And uh, we also solicited our core group of fantastic local uh, Miami poets and writers. So the roster kind of uh, started off very long and we tried to solicit everyone that we could. And then we started to, to you know, do the, the process of this works, this doesn't work, this falls into what the 
what the book ends up becoming. Because in the beginning, it's just, you know, a lot of ideas, like I said, the wish list. But then as the work starts coming in, you start to see how the book is shaking out, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that's really, by and large, the only criteria that we had was that the work was great, that the work was honest, and that the work was highly representative uh, of every voice and every ethnicity that we could possibly gather between the pages of the anthology. So as you started to see these works come in, what kind of topics did you see represented and did you feel like it was inclusive of all potential topics or did you just let the work speak for itself and not worry about filling in any gaps? Well, that's interesting because at first um, the anthology started off with the idea of it being um, woman-centered, uh, female identifying. And then uh, once we started to get that work, um, we brought Richard on board and we wanted him, his editorial advice. So that led to a conversation about how should we be marginalizing this book um, only to female voices. Um, the idea that men are likewise grabbed, the idea that gay men are just as objectified as straight, uh, or really as any women, as any woman, um, that became a thing. And that led to this kind of evolution into including male voices. And once we did that, I think the anthology really became completely inclusive because you have, you have, you know, cisgendered men, you have gay men, you have gay women, you have straight women, you have women of color, men of color. It's just, it's lovely in its representation, but it's also likewise horrifying because it's really shines the light on the fact that there are few among us that go um, go on living without being grabbed in some way or another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Inclusive and yet in that inclusivity, also horrifying to know how widespread it is, how wide and deep it goes, right? Um, right. Uh, we have the, uh, global stories. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, yes, exactly. This is not just a U.S.-focused uh, situation, right? This is uh, representative across the globe, as you were getting ready to say. Correct. Correct. Um, did the writers, were they aware of the other writers and what they were contributing? Or did the writers first get exposed to their colleagues' work when the book, as the book got pulled together. I'm just curious what their reactions were to the other writers that were contributing. You know, the answer to that is no. We didn't want to um, influence anyone's take on the topic. Basically, the authors that were approached were told, we'd like your, we'd like a piece that uh, comments on your um, idea of grabbed. What does that mean to you? Any incarnation of that. And then so they wrote on their own and they did not see what their colleagues were submitting. In fact, they still haven't. Um, I'm, they're just starting to receive the contributor copies. And now I'm getting I'm getting emails. I'm getting texts. Uh, they're very excited. And, and it's amazing. The book is so, so strong and it works together so well. It was kind of like a seamless putting together of it um, without any pre-warning, if you will, without any background knowledge. It was just people speaking honestly. And if I had to say, um, if I had to come up with a common thread that goes throughout the book, it's that. Just 
candor and honesty and valor and bravery, standing up to say what is not easy to say. In some cases, some of our authors are revealing stories they never shared with anyone. So the idea that that just our simple request opened up these sorts of powerful pieces is incredible to me. And, and it's done the work on that level. It's already brought together a group of people within within the covers of this book that might have never had a conversation about this ever um, with one another. So that's one level. And now, of course, as the book comes out, we hope that that just continues. And I think people will see themselves represented within the pages of that anthology, clearly. Um, you know, that I think that's ultimately... Uh, these stories will resonate because they are stories that represent so many of us out there, right, who have been grabbed one way or the other. I'm curious if there was a surprise to you as these things came together. Were you surprised by anything in, in particular? Um, to be honest, the surprising pieces were the ones that came from the uh, straight cis males. Um, I, for some of them, I just never uh, envisioned that sort of honesty. And I never, to be honest, I, it kind of revealed my own biases, right? And my own ideas about uh, who is being assaulted. And we, we oftentimes forget that there are many straight males who do suffer this sort of abuse and indignity, but yet they remain silent because they they can't say it. They can't talk about it. There's no room for that sort of narrative in mainstream, um, you know, popular culture. So they don't. And I think when they were approached to perhaps have, and again, I approached them with, would you like? None of this was, you know, send it to me now. So when the when they sent it to me, I was quite moved and touched that they were willing to go out on that limb and reveal very vulnerable moments that might, they might not have otherwise shared. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I want you to share a reading with us, uh, just a section of a reading, but we're going to wait for you to do that um, on the back end of this break. We have to take a break really quickly, and then we'll be back with Carrie Morrow with a little bit of a reading and also to talk about Anita Hill. Stick around more when Purse Strings returns after the break. Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, You'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. 
TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. TopSEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Welcome back. I've been chatting today with Caridad uh, Morrow. Uh, Carrie is a contributing editor to a brand new book, a pretty powerful book um, that is going to be shaking up the Miami Book Fair this November. It's called Grabbed, Writers Respond to Sexual Assault, Empowerment, and Healing. And we've been talking about how the anthology has been coming together and how just very recently the writers themselves have started to be exposed to all the contributions, all the stories, the various uh, and diverse voices that have contributed to put this powerful book together. Um, and Carrie, I'm curious if you had a reading that you wanted to share with us just to give us a little glimpse of what um, what people at the Miami Book Fair are going to have a, of a chance to really dig into. Oh, I'd love to, Maria. I'm going to read actually the opening poem of this book by uh, Freesia McKee. It's called What We Did This Year. I counted up the poems I'd written about violence against women, though I knew the number is ever growing. On the bus, a cry moved through me like water. I remembered the male writer who sent me a picture of naked strangers. Do you think she's all right, he asked claiming the woman posing was our mutual friend. I remembered when I learned a woman's body could be used against her. I remembered relearning what I had learned and learned. I remembered how it felt all the times my friends told me they thought I hated men. If I was honest, I would have told you there were women I hated. I wanted to be right and I wanted to be wrong. I was no longer surprised when I didn't feel anything. I wanted to stop writing. The man's hairy arm pressed up against me on the bus as he slept and I read an account and I read another. I took a drink of water and I took another. Some men lost their jobs, but not their investments. Some people said, I'm ready to listen. How unready was I to hear it? Wondering where we'd been for each other every day of our lives. And again, that was Freesia McKee. Thank you, Freesia McKee. And that's just one of how many, how many voices are represented in the anthology, Carrie? There are 90. 90, that's, that's a lot, it's a lot. It's, it's, it, I just can't wait to hear the reviews from the Miami Book Fair. So um, I wanna encourage everyone too that the Miami Book Fair is going to be streamed this year. It's not in person like so many fairs and conferences and conventions, it's gonna be streamed. Um, November 15th through the 22nd. And um, Carrie, is there a particular time that you all will be speaking about this book at the fair? We don't know yet. That's still, that schedule is about to be released very soon. But I know that even after our particular slot goes live, then you will be able to access that after afterwards. So um, as soon as that schedule is out, you'll be able to find how to reach us or how to hear us. 
Perfect. Well, then I just encourage everyone to go to the Miami Book Fair website and look for that, and um, especially to look for Carrie and her fellow contributing editors to this anthology. Um, you know, with Anita Hill writing the afterword, wow, that's pretty powerful. I mean, she is such an iconic voice for, sadly, um, what um, the early movement, I'm going to call it, right? Um, such a brave right. voice, very, very brave voice to step into um, that discussion and really try to kickstart that discussion only to beaten back. I'm curious how you approached her about this and what her initial reaction was. Well, you know, to begin, Anita Hill, what can I say? I was right. fangirling from just the moment I heard that it was a possibility. Um, again, I, I have, we have Richard Blanco to thank for that. He um, does know Professor Hill and he reached out to her and asked if she would be willing to contribute a, a piece to our anthology. And she was beyond gracious. And, and as you said, it, it took me over the moon that uh, she joined our, our efforts. And I remember being in high school when, as you said, that first wave, right? Um, those hearings, and I, I never forgot her grace, her composure, uh, just, just an absolute hero to me. So when she sent in her, her essay, when she sent me an email I, I just don't have words. It was like I had met Madonna. So we were just so excited to have her on board. And it just, it elevates, I think, the anthology to an even higher level, on, on a level that perhaps um, will affect policy because her essay is, a, is very much driven toward the law and how the law must coincide with these ideas of of just being able to walk free in the world so i don't have words to express <laughs> my joy and and just my absolute gratitude that oh, professor yeah. hill has contributed to our anthology in this way no that's it she's she's a remarkable woman and she's done so much for this effort over the years in her very graceful and thoughtful way. Um, ultimately, I have to imagine that you put this anthology together with an intent for it to deliver some type of result. What do you hope the impact of this book will be? You know, I wanted to give um, people a voice, right? And um, I found that Going back to, to your question about Anita Hill, Anita Hill helped me have a voice when I was 17 years old. Anita Hill uh, gave me the voice to be able to say no. And when I thought that that no wasn't being heard, I was reminded that sometimes you just have to keep saying it in order to be heard. So flash forward, my hope is that this will provide voice to the voiceless. And when they read it, the idea that my story matters and I, I do have something to say and I can say no um, on a more practical um, point in terms of getting the book out there. I really envision like grabbed uh, moments, happenings where we have an audience that might want to ask tough questions of our panels and in order to achieve their own catharsis 
I envision writing workshops to help people use the act of writing to get through their trauma and to find their own voice. Um, because I think we haven't tackled the issue, nor am I naive enough to believe that an anthology could do that in its totality. I do believe in the power of words and I do believe in the power of empathy. And, and I think that if we start to get our stories out there, it's very difficult to look someone in the face and say, that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So my hope is that this will create small community gatherings in the forms of book talks, discussions, readings, panels, workshops, that will get to the heart of the matter, which is catharsis, empowerment, healing, which is on, on the very cover of the book. That's the goal, the healing. I don't know that I can change the world, but I do know that I can try to attempt to help a reader change on their own terms and with a very specific focus as to what it is they hope to gain from their interaction with the book. Can you let everybody know how they can purchase the book? Because that's, I, I feel like um, if this has been speaking to you as a listener, you want to check out the stories of these 90 voices. I want to encourage people to go and purchase the book. Where can they find it? They can find the book where any book is sold. Uh, they can go to uh, Books and Books. They can go to the Beacon Press website. They can Google Grabbed. Um, writers on sexual assault, empowerment, and healing, and there will be a whole host, Barnes & Noble. It's available anywhere that books are sold. Well, I wish you much success with Grabbed, um, and I wish you much success at the Miami Book Fair where this all began, and uh, congratulations, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me, Maria, and thank you for uh, putting our book front and center. At where it where it deserves to be. So everyone, again, is called Grabbed, Writers Respond to Sexual Assault, Empowerment, and Healing. And I encourage everyone to go to the Miami Book Fair website, find out how you can stream the fair November 15th through the 22nd, and also look for Carrie and her contributing editors uh, and their talk around Grabbed. Um, make sure that you download that and check that out. Thanks to Carrie for being on. Thanks to George for another great show. And join me again for another edition of Purse Strings. Until then, make it a great one. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.